Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I'm so happy to see you this evening and to celebrate Thanksgiving with you tonight. And I know that you've got big plans for Thanksgiving with your family and friends. And I'll tell you, Thanksgiving is a lot different for us since we moved up here. And yet we've made so many good memories here spending Thanksgiving with Woodland over the years. So many stories, so many things, and looking back over my calendar and my journal about Thanksgiving in the beginning of the holidays, and I'm so grateful. I'm grateful to celebrate with you tonight. I, I tell you, I look forward to this particular service because now I feel like we're really just taking time. This is a Thanksgiving service. This is not a Turkey Day service. It just kind of takes something away for Thanksgiving. I refuse to say Happy Turkey Day. I'm here to give thanks to the Lord, aren't you? Let's give Him another hand of praise tonight. Amen. As a pastor, I hear all kinds of stories and <clears throat> funny things about Thanksgiving meals and Thanksgiving preparations and what happens. Some of them I can't share because when I ask, I say, oh no, pastor, please don't ever tell anybody I told you that. So I look for those stories to share with you sometimes that I can't. And this year I came across one in my preparation that I just, when I found myself laughing, I just wish Mike and Debbie were here tonight. And I think there they are in the back because you're the first people I thought of when I read this. This lady cooked a beautiful pumpkin pie for a Thanksgiving dinner she was giving to all of her friends and her cat jumped up on the counter and swiped his paw across the pumpkin pie. Well, it was late, so she just kind of smoothed the pie over and served it anyway. Well, after the guests went home, she went out and found her cat dead in the garage, stretched out. And so humiliated, she called all of her guests and had to tell them what happened. They all went to the hospital, including her, and got their stomachs popped. The next day, their neighbor came over and says, I'm so sorry about your cat. I found it dead in the street where somebody had hit it, so I just came and laid it in your garage. And I just want you to know how sorry I am. Friends, it never pays to cover up your sins. Amen? We're here to give the Lord thanks for all that He's done for us. I hope you understand how much God loves you. I hope you understand how great and how wonderful the love of Jesus Christ is and that you never forget that. And I listen to you sing tonight and I listen to you worship the Lord and I can't help think about how the Jewish people in the Old Testament, they love to worship the Lord. Sometimes the way they would write their psalms, awake my harp, awake my lyre, awake my, my soul and sing praises to the Lord. And for those of us like myself who, you know, I can sing a little bit, but I can't hear these parts that Pastor Mark and the team do. And sometimes when I try to find them, it's just better for me just to be quiet. But I can clap my hands and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And so you may not be able to carry a tune in a baggie, but you can give the Lord a joyful noise. Can we do that one more time tonight? All my hope is in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And this week, everybody that I know of, and most of our nation is going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. 
I was thinking before the service tonight, as far back as I can remember, Thanksgiving at our home has been family, it's been food, it's been football, all the way back to when I was a child. It's been everybody gathering. I had two uncles that were pastors, and I think my aunts served the food so hot because they were going to pray so long. Both of them were going to pray a Thanksgiving prayer. And I can remember thinking, they're never going to get done. But that was just the way it was in the Clanton and the Summerlin household growing up. There was all kinds of preparation and cooking, all kinds of eating. And yet, typically there's not a whole lot of Thanksgiving that goes on Thanksgiving Day. If there is a prayer, it's one person praying, and it's typically pretty short because everybody's ready to eat. And that's why we've always done this service. This is the 20th time we've done this service to come and to celebrate Thanksgiving like this. So let's give thanks tonight. Let's give thanks and let's thank Him for what God has done for us. And pause for just a moment and nod about the football, the turkey, the food. Let's think about what Pastor Corey brought us to memory about this evening. Let's think about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Will you do that with me? Stand with me and let's pray one more time. God, I do hope, beginning with myself, that every one of us will just begin to comprehend how much you love us. What great lengths you went to to save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that we will recognize that whether in good times or difficult times, Lord, we can still praise your name. The Thanksgiving that we grew up with here in North America, remembering those pilgrims and Puritans, it was a difficult time, but they still gathered to give you thanks. And though what we have recorded is just a little over a hundred words, they're filled with thanksgiving. And so tonight, with plenty, and sitting in a warm house and not in a tent in a Walmart parking lot, Lord Jesus, not in a shelter, not hoping the insurance will get our home rebuilt in Florida, not standing at a border hoping for a better life. But Lord, as we gather in this beautiful sanctuary, we gather to worship you and to say thank you. And I ask you in the next few minutes that our hearts will once again be renewed and revived with what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. And it's your name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Grab your pen and let's get started and follow along with me tonight. Well, the first thing I want to give thanks for is God's grace to me. God's grace to me. That God didn't give me what I deserve. That God gave me what I didn't deserve. He gave me amazing grace. Years ago, I had a pastor when I was serving as a youth pastor. When I came on board, he says, well, what do you think you're worth? And I remember looking at him, and I wasn't trying to be pious. I was just being as serious as I knew how to be. If I was paid what I was worth, Becky and I would starve. I've never thought in those terms of what I was worth. And yet I can't look at Calvary, and I can't look at communion without realizing that 
I was worth something to God. You were worth something to God that he would give his only begotten son for us. Grace is everything that God does for us that we don't deserve. Grace is God giving us the favor, the health, the love, the joy. It's God giving to us that that we haven't earned. It's no way you can earn the grace of God. There's no way you can be good enough for the grace of God. There's no way that you can do anything that deserves the grace of God. God just sets his grace upon you because he loves you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And sometimes as Christians, when we read these things over and over, if we're not careful, we let our hearts get inured. We let our hearts get hardened to these truths and we forget just how powerful and how much they mean. Let me direct your attention to the screen, to Psalms 103. I'm going to show you 10 things that God does for us in grace. The Bible says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart, and I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Let's say that together. May I never forget the good things he does for me. One more time. May I never forget the good things he does for me. So when you gather around your table on thank. Thanksgiving Day, I'm sure many of you are like Becky. We don't eat until each of us begin to give God an expression of thanks for what he has done for us in this past year. But here are 10 things that David says. He says, number one, he forgives all my sins. Number two, he heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. That's number four. Number five, he fills my life with good things. How many of your lives are filled with good things tonight? How many of you are going to be filled even more come Thursday afternoon? You know, some of you are going to make Ireland have another potato famine the way you're going to be eating. But he fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. That's number six. He gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Remember, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. He's like a father to us tender and compassionate to those who fear him. But my favorite one of all is that the love of God remains with us forevermore. Let's give him another hand of praise for that tonight. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I'm glad. I'm glad God doesn't give me what I deserve. I'm glad that God doesn't say to me, you're going to get just what you deserve in life. I'm glad that he's given to me what I don't deserve. He's given everything to me richly in Christ Jesus, and he has given everything to you richly in Christ Jesus. And I just want to share something with you. If you're not overflowing with gratitude and just going through those passages right now, if something in your heart is not jumping up inside and down, if your heart is not filled with joy over the grace and the forgiveness of Christ, there's something wrong with your spiritual life because as we contemplate and meditate upon those things, we should remember what a terrible state, what a horrible state, what a miserable state, what a hopeless state that you and I I were in before Christ saved us from our sins. You and I were on our way to heaven. Everybody doesn't go to heaven. Only those who have trusted in Christ Jesus. I could never do anything good enough to get to heaven. And the only reason I will stand in heaven, that I will stand before the throne of God, is say, Jesus, I have nothing to stand upon but your blood and your righteousness. I am so thankful for the grace of God tonight. Hallelujah. Well, give him another hand of praise. There's a song that I have played, I guess, 30 or 40 times today, just listening to it over and over. It's an old song that Dottie Rambo, excuse me, Reba Rambo, her daughter wrote, and 
One of the verses says, I'll never understand while I was yet a slave. He said he'd buy me. He said he'd save me. He clothed himself in flesh and became the final sacrifice so I could know redemption. He took the stripes upon his back so that I could walk in health. He broke the chains of death. Now I can live forevermore. It's not because of what I am. It's not because of what I've done. It's all because of whose I am. This Thanksgiving, I am grateful for the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Say amen if you agree with me on that. And the second thing tonight is I give God thanks for my new life in Jesus. It's not just that I'm saved from my sins, but when you give your life to Christ, your old self dies. That's what the picture of baptism is all about. You die to your old life and you're not refurbished. You're not renewed. You don't get new parts, but God gives you a new heart. He gives you a new soul. He gives you a new mind. You're not refurbished. You don't go through a doctor and get a little nip and a tuck here and get a little fold there and a little buffing and polishing. God just takes you and gives you a brand new life in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Circle that in your outline. You're a new person. The old life has gone and a new life was begun. When Jesus was raised from the dead, people still recognized him. The Bible indicates that in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to know Abraham, we're going to know Isaac, we're going to know Jacob, we're going to know Isaiah, we're going to know those who have preceded us when we get to heaven. There's something about this new life that we have now in Christ Jesus that is intimately connected with the life that is to come. We'll be transformed, we'll receive a new body, but there's something about us we're going to know each other when we get to heaven. I'm going to recognize my dad, I'm going to recognize Dave Saunders, I'm going to recognize all of those who have died in faith, and I'm going to hug their necks, you're going to hug their necks. There are children that we're going to see that have died before we did. We're going to see them, we're going to love them, we're going to bless them, and the Bible says that what was sown imperishable will be raised in glory. What was sown in weakness will be raised in power. What was sown in mortality will be raised in immortality. Friends, we have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the grace of God, and I'm grateful for a new life in Jesus. If you agree with that, say a big amen tonight. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, so all of us who've had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit, now listen, makes us, you and me, more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now think about that. Tonight, Jesus is making you more and more like Himself. You're getting better looking all the time. You're getting a pure heart all the time. You're becoming more and more like Jesus every single day. I tell you, I'm grateful for the grace of God, and I'm grateful for the new life that I have in Christ tonight. And the third thing that I'm thankful for is that God's got a plan for my life, and God has a plan for your life. You're not an accident. There are no such things as illegitimate babies. There are illegitimate parents. But every baby that comes into this world, God has a plan. God created you for a reason. And God's plan for you is good and it's wonderful. I have no complaints about God's treatment of me. I have no complaints about my life. I am so thankful for the plan of God and how He has manifested it. I don't live worried about the future. I don't live in anxiety about the future. 
If our home was blown away, my wife just made a marvelous statement to me the other day that has had me thinking. We had a tornado strike our home in Georgia and put trees through the roof, and she was down there meeting with contractors and getting everything taken care of. They're jacking the house back up today and getting it level on its foundation and getting everything right. And I was so afraid she was going to be upset and, and brokenhearted, and she looked at me and she said, honey, it's just stuff. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got harmed. It can be replaced. Understand this. It's not the stuff that we're giving thanks for tonight. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved us and the wonderful and amazing plan that God has for our lives. Can we praise Him again this evening? Hallelujah. And if our hearts aren't overflowing with gratitude, we've missed it. I say this, Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11, I say this, God says, because I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you a hope and I will give you a good future. Somehow or another, when you read the story of Joseph, somehow or another, when you read the story of Paul, when you read the Bible, when you read the story of Esther, when you read these great stories of the Bible, you can see God has a plan. It doesn't mean that there won't be pain. It doesn't mean there won't be hurt. It doesn't mean there won't be disappointment. It doesn't mean there won't be unanswered prayers. But it does mean that God will work and weave together the bad that people do to you, the harm that happens to you, the disappointments you have in life, the prayers that weren't answered the way you wanted them answered. God will weave them together. And when it's all done, you will say like Joseph, it was the plan of God. It was a good plan because it was meant to save you. And God will cause you to rise above your enemies and make you the head and not the tail, you will say with Esther, I will see my enemies hang and an entire nation will be saved. You will say with Paul, he has tried to destroy me. He has tried to shipwreck me. He has tried to beat me. But today I stand on the righteousness of God. And he said of himself, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am thankful God's plan is not going to fail. Let's give him another hand of praise tonight. <laughs> The more, the more I understand this plan and the more I live this plan, I think this is part of what keeps you young. I think it's part of what gives you energy. I think it's part of what just drives you. The more I understand this plan, the more I want to live in the center of it, the more I want to be a part of it, the more each day I want to live it out because I know that every single day holds an adventure. The Bible says, seek ye the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I am so grateful for God's plan for my life. I am so grateful for God's uh, uh, grace in my life, and I am so grateful for the new life I have in Jesus Christ at Thanksgiving. That's better than any turkey and better than the lions beating Chicago this coming Thursday. That will take a miracle as well. Number four, I give thanks for my new home in heaven. I give thanks for my home in heaven. You know, God created us to last forever. I recently went out to the cemetery with one of the men in our church to visit with his, at his wife's grave when we went to pray and we went to reflect. And we talked about how that she was in heaven. I mean, that's just a surety. She's in heaven. Her body is there. Her remains are there. But she is in heaven. As we stood there and we talked about that and we reflected on heaven, 
Both of us begin to chuckle. Both of us begin to laugh. What started with tears of remembrance suddenly turned to joy. Because I want you to hear me this evening. When God created human beings, he created us to last forever. When God created you, and never forget that God created you, you are not some product of evolution that just happened upon this earth, but you were created in the image of God. One day, your body and my body, they're going to fold. One day, they're going to drop into the ground. One day, they're going to decay, but we're going to live with the Lord forever. But there will come a day called Resurrection Day when God will raise all of those who have died in Christ first, and we which are alive will be caught up in the air to meet him, meet him in the air and meet them with them. But I want you to look at a verse tonight that maybe you ought to meditate upon this Thanksgiving. Our bodies are like tents that we live in here on earth. But when these tents are destroyed, we know that God will give each of us a place to live. These homes will not be buildings that someone has made, but they are in heaven and will last forever. You see, you were created, listen, you were created with a soul. You were created in the image of God, and you're going to last forever. You're either going to last forever in heaven, or you're going to last forever in hell. You're going to spend an eternity with Christ in heaven, or you're going to spend an eternity in hell. Heaven and hell are not symbolisms. Heaven and hell are real places. Jesus believed in them. And everybody loves to talk about the wisdom of Jesus and the love of Jesus, even people that don't live for Jesus. Even people who tell us, you know, if you were more like Jesus, we could respect you more when they talk about the church. But Jesus believed in heaven and hell as very real places. And I got to tell you something. He knows a lot more than you and I do or any talking head on television. He knows a lot more than any president, any emperor, or any scientist. Jesus believed in those places. And he says to us that he has gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we will not, we can be with him as well. The thing is this, what God has done for you in Christ, what God has done for you at Calvary, what you celebrated in taking communion tonight, Jesus has prepared a place for you. That's why you don't have to be afraid of death. That's why you don't have to be afraid of dying. That's why you don't have to be afraid of the pestilence. You don't have to be afraid of the terror or the tornado or anything else because you are eternally secure in Christ. And that is so important to remember. You're not ready to live until you're ready to die. You're not ready to live. This morning in our staff devotion, it was my turn to share, and so I was sharing about preparation. I had been reading and reflecting upon the Psalms and how the ant prepared and how the ant gets ready, and so the ant's not fearful about the, the time when there's no harvest. The ant's not fearful about the time where there's no food together because the ant has prepared, and the Bible tells us to look at the ant. Jesus prepared a place for you. Jesus did what was necessary since you couldn't prepare that place in heaven. He prepared a place for you, and friends, the only way you get into heaven is through Jesus. Christ. The only people that are going to be in heaven are the people that trusted Christ. Heaven is a place where if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've trusted Him, God has prepared a place for you. So all of a sudden, the worry is off of you. Am I good enough? Have I done enough? Have I done enough faith? Have I, have I given enough? Have I served enough? It's not what you've done that's enough. 
What Christ has done is more than enough. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of whose I am, as Dottie Rambo saying. Can we give the Lord another hand of praise for that this evening? I told this man in our church, I just said, you know, heaven's going to place, be a place of reunion. There's so many people from this church that I've buried over the years that I can't wait to see. There's so many people like Dr. Addison that I just recently buried. I can't wait to see. Andrew called the other day and says, Dad, I know where you're going. I don't know why he's so fascinated with the time of when I'm going to die and what I'm going to do with my library. But he called the other day and says, Dad, I know where you're going to be buried at. And I said, Andrew, what is this fixation on my death? This is getting morbid. He goes, no, 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 you're going to like this. He says, Papa's buried at the top of the hill. Dr. Addison's buried at the bottom of the hill. We're going to bury you in the side of the hill. <laughs> Little fathead. <laughs> His Christmas just keeps going down and down and down. But you know, I, we were talking again, and I said, heaven's going to be such a place of reunion. Heaven's going to be a place of reward. Do you know you're going to be rewarded in heaven? You're going to be rewarded for the times you've come to worship. You're going to be rewarded for the times you've shared your faith in Christ. You're going to be rewarded for the times you've been generous. You're going to be rewarded for the times you've prayed. You're going to be rewarded for raising those children. You're going to be rewarded for not killing your teenagers and letting them survive. You're going to be rewarded for being a good grandparent. You're going to be rewarded for being a good neighbor. God says he's going to reward you. And heaven is not only a place of reunion and reward for us, but heaven is a place where God reassigns us and we get to do something totally different. Now, this and what I'm going to tell you, this and 50 cent will get you a cup of coffee. Well, maybe a dollar and a half will get you a cup of coffee, but I believe your spiritual gift has something to do with how you're going to be serving in heaven. Because we're not going to be sitting on a harp, sitting on a cloud playing a harp. That would be hell to me. We're going to be in heaven, and God's got responsibilities for us. God's got things for us to do. And if your gift is serving, if your gift is administration, if your gift is mercy, somehow or another, God is going to line up the real you and how he's created you for how it was supposed to be from the very beginning. So I'm grateful for my home in heaven. I'm grateful for God's plan for my life. I'm grateful for the grace of Christ, and I'm grateful for the new life of Christ. Now, let me tie this together before we go home this evening. Here's what I'd like you to do, and my growth works a little longer than normal. Number one, I want you to sing your thanks to the Lord. You know, some of you I know because you've told me. You get to church, and maybe you sit out in the foyer, you come in late until after the music over, and you say, Pastor, I come for the preaching. You're making a mistake. We need to gather and sing the song of the Lord. We need to be here early. Can you say amen to that? And Woodland needs to express thanks to God by getting to church five minutes before service starts. If you believe that, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. I mean, we need to be in here. We need to be ready to go. And when those first chords hit, we need to be singing the high praises of the Lord. The Bible says, sing to the Lord a song of thanksgiving. Make music to our God with a lyre. You don't have to worry about whether you sound good or not. Just make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's what I do. And you know what? I get happy when I hear Pastor Rick singing. When he's standing, no, 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 no. I'm not making fun. 
because sometimes he won't sing sometimes because and he's sick you need to be praying for him and norma they both got this stuff that's been going around but he won't sing sometime out loud but sometimes he'll will be singing a song and he'll forget that he can be heard and i will tell him the next day rick it sounded so good to hear he said you could hear me i said but better than that the holy spirit could hear you rick sing the song of the lord say amen this morning or tonight number two serve the lord with gladness Don't approach ministry, don't approach your marriage, don't approach your job, don't approach retirement, don't approach church. Oh, I got to go to work. Oh, good Lord, it's morning. Oh, it's time for church. It's time to go help with the feeding ministry. Friends, let's serve the Lord with gladness. God deserves our very best. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence. Well, by golly, there it is again. Come into his presence with singing. And the third thing is, share the good news. Share the good news. Tell other people what Jesus has done in your life. I love the way the message translation puts this. Let me tell you why you're here. Now, let me tell you, God's going to tell you why you're here tonight, Rochelle. God's going to tell you why you're here, Grant. God's going to tell you why you're here, Sharon. God says you're alive, you're breathing, You have breath in your body. You get to celebrate Thanksgiving Day Thursday if the Lord tarries because God has you here for a reason. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt and seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. Can we give him a hand of praise for that tonight? Now you know the will of God for your life. You may be a barista at Starbucks. You may own a business. You may work for Ford. You may work for General Motors. You may work for yourself. But now you know why you're really here. You're here to share the good news. And one of the ways you show your thanksgiving to God is to tell people about Jesus. Sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, I've got a stock tip for you. I went out to dinner, or Becky and I were invited out to a dinner with a company president, and we're sitting over dinner, and he says, I'm going to tell you something. It's against the law for me to tell you. And I went, stop. Does this have anything to do with stock? He goes, yeah. I said, she's a tax advisor and legal things like that. He goes, oh. He said, well, I was going to give you a tip. I said, stop. Stop. You know, I don't need a stock tip. I don't need a health care tip. I don't need a car buying tip. What I need tonight is to share the good news of Jesus because when I see people experience the grace of God, when I see people get a new life in Christ, when I see people experience the plan of God for their lives, when I see people confident about their future, that they have a home in heaven and they're no longer worried about what happens in this life, they know that God is in control. That's all the reward I need tonight. I don't deserve it, but it's so much fun to see people's lives changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad he changed your life tonight? Aren't you glad somebody shared the good news with you this evening? And I'm looking around this room and some of you, I prayed with you to give your heart to Jesus. Some of you, we prayed in my office. Some of you, we prayed in this sanctuary together. Some of you, we prayed in a Starbucks together. But here's the thing. Our God reigns. You share the good news. You can share it by greeting people with a smile. You can share it by remembering their names. You can share it by sending them a card. You can share it by praying with them. You can share it by inviting them into your home and showing hospitality. 
somebody. You can share it by showing them a way, by how you can serve them. And above all, you can tell your story. Everybody wants to know why you're a Christian tonight, Vic, Vic Bukaferi. Everybody wants to know that story. Everybody wants to know, Dave, why you are a believer this evening. It just takes a little courage to say, can I tell you how God changed my life? Let's give him one more hand of praise this evening. Now, finally tonight, you can show your thanks for your tithes and offerings. And I want to affirm you because you have. You have shown and you have been a faithful and a generous congregation to missions and those in distress. But this is Thanksgiving. Thanks and giving go together. Think about that. Thanks and giving go together. And people that don't give are not grateful. People that don't have any money to give can still give time. People that don't have any money to give can still give a word of encouragement. See, most everybody in America can give something. Today, the staff and I were out to eat for lunch together, and somebody, as far as I know, that's not even a believer in Christ Jesus, came over and talked with us and greeted us, and, and then on the way out, our server came back over and says, your meal is paid for. And I know who did it and sent them an email and a thank you card already just to say thank you. But thanks and giving go together. It's just the way God does things. Listen to what the Bible says. Give an offering to show thanks to God. Give God most high what you have promised. In Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 10, then celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings which you have received from him. I've asked some young people to help me tonight. And Pastor Corey, I don't know if you can hear me. The doors are closed over there. But would y'all come on and help me? I just want to illustrate for you because Thanksgiving is coming up. And most of you are going to have a big table. But the tithe is the first fruits offering. And so... We've got 10 turkeys coming out, and that's the ones they're holding, these 10 turkeys here. Can I have this one? Thank you. They're heavy, aren't they? It's stuck on you? Let's put these turkeys up here, okay? Let's put some of them on the floor. Let's start, Jack, put some of them on the floor here. Here comes 10 turkeys. Y'all go back. I got a lot more stuff I need you to bring up for me. Just stack them right here. Thank you. Here you go. I'll help Jack. Thank you. There you go. We've got two more here. Thank you. All right. Ten turkeys. One turkey belongs to the Lord, right? That's the first fruit. One turkey belongs to the Lord. So we're going to take this from my house, and we're going to put it in God's house. Have I got some more food? What have I got here? Squash. Okay, I've got ten squash. Let's just put them right here on the table for me, and some of you can come put them around front. Got 10 squash coming out tonight. The first fruits. When the, when the Israelis would harvest their crops at that offering that I just read to you about, they would take, if it was squash, one out of every 10 they would bring to the house of the Lord. I have worked in Africa and South America where people, one out of every 10, I'm going to take this mic so you can hear me, one out of it, they'd bring chickens, they would bring food, they would bring vegetables, they would bring bread, and they would bring according to what they'd harvested. And it's an amazing thing to put live chickens in the trunk of your car after church. But one squash belongs to the Lord. What have I got next? I've got grapefruit. Just one here, put the rest of them over there. 
Okay, put the rest of them over here. Come on, I need some more. Keep it coming, keep it coming. I got 10 grapefruit, I'm running out of time. Now what have I got? I've got 10 bananas, lay those bananas up there. One orange belongs to the Lord, one banana belongs to the Lord. All right, just stack it up there for me. What have I got next? Come on, keep it coming. It's harvest time, it's harvest time. Is this oranges? I got grapefruit and oranges. Okay, put some, put 10 oranges up there. I'll take one orange. Okay, and now I see I got some apples coming. I love it. Don't you love apples? Would you like an apple? You can't have this one. This one belongs to the Lord. But you know, this, since this is my house, I'm going to share. Who's going to catch it? Somebody catch it. Whoa. All right. Somebody. Oh, broccoli. How many of you like broccoli? President Bush said, I'm not going to throw this. This will go everywhere. All right, so one broccoli belongs to Jesus. One apple belongs to Jesus. Here's 10 onions. I don't know if Jesus likes onions, but there's 10, there's one onion. One onion belongs to Jesus. Come on, what have I got? Sweet potatoes. One sweet potato belongs to Jesus. Look at this table here. This is what's in your house. Come on, what have I got now? Bacon potatoes. So one bacon potato, one bacon potato belongs to Jesus. The rest of them go in your house. Have I got anything else? Oh, I got bread. I've already got the potato. Thank you. Yeah, just stack it down there on the floor. This is running over. I got 10 loaves of bread, okay? Put the bread up. You can put them up there. One loaf of bread belongs to Christ. Oh, what else? Cucumbers. One cucumber belongs to Jesus. How many people like cucumbers? I love cucumbers with vinegar and sugar. Oh, my goodness. What else have I got? Lettuce. I don't like this, but I'm going to give it to Jesus anyway, okay? So I got 10 heads of lettuce. Is that all? Is that everything? Now, folks, look at this. No more. Lettuce, you got so much. Put the lettuce up front so they can see it. Don't hide it. You don't hide your light. Here you go. Put this up front for me. Put it all up there. Now, look, you don't want people to come to God's house and not have anything to eat. You don't want God's people to come to his house and not have fresh bread from heaven. You don't want people to come to God's house and not have something to feed their soul with. But you don't have to worry about outgiving God. You will never outgive God. It's the only time that God says, test me in this. Put me first. Thanks and giving go together. If I put God first, I don't have to worry about my house because my house is always going to be full because God has said, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out upon you a blessing that your house cannot contain. God is faithful to always honor his word. Can we give him a hand of praise tonight? He always honors his word. He always does. As I was praying today, I kept thinking about how God has blessed my family. I kept going back and reflecting upon the impossible things that God has done. This week, we had a family that got employment. Been praying so long for employment. We've had two people this week divinely healed because they could not get well. The doctor's treatments were not working and God has answered prayer and healed them. That's this week. This week I've thought about how our missions giving has already been helping in these disaster areas in our nation, how we're helping overseas in addition to our regular mission support. 
I was just thinking this week of the 17 churches that this church has been a part of planting, paying for pastor's salaries and helping them get started. And then I just kind of went through, this is not a church of millionaires. This is not a church of rich people. But this is a church of people who believe one out of every 10 belongs to the Lord. And this is not a church like many places where I've preached in the world where people are starving. We preach the principles of God's Word. You can criticize them. You can say they don't work. You can ignore them and say they're not true and that you'll find your house begin to go empty. And then when you need a miracle in your life, you won't know where to turn because you've talked yourself out of the blessings of God. But because you've been faithful to the Lord, there's been plenty to share, not only here, but around the world. And your house is overflowing. You say, well, my house is not overflowing compared to somebody. That, that's not what we do. We don't compare ourselves to other people. If I had to live on what I deserved, my family and I would starve to death. And no matter how good you think you are, if you had to live on what you deserved, you'd starve to death as well. It's not what we deserve. It's how good God is. Now, with that in mind, I want you to listen because I'm going to pray. I went to four places in the Scripture that I want to pray a prayer blessing over you tonight. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, the Word of the Lord says, and I bless your people. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. We looked at that this past Sunday. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of commitment and the blessing of affection and romance. And I pray that every marriage would be filled with the absolute joy and delight of a husband and wife, not only in you, but in one another. I thank you, Lord, that the Bible says, as we're going to look at this weekend, the children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. I thank you that you take the mother God who has no children, and you make her the happy mother of many children. And I bless you tonight that our children, our teenagers, our students, they're the heritage of the Lord. And Father God, that they shall grow, they shall know the Lord, and they shall do great and mighty exploits in His name. And they are a generation marked for revival. I thank you, Lord, that according to 3 John chapter 2, the Lord, your prayer, your wish for us is that we may prosper and that we may be in good health even as our soul prospers. And I pray that not one of us would neglect our soul nor neglect to give thanks to you. And that, Lord Jesus, that just as we pray that our house would overflow with blessings and our marriage and our children would overflow with blessings, we pray, God, that you will protect and guard and give us divine health in the name of Jesus. And finally, Father, I thank you for our grandchildren this evening. Lord, when we think about Timothy and Paul remembered 
the faith, the sincere faith, the unfeigned faith that was in his mother and in his grandmother. He gave thanks for them because they gave us Timothy, Lord. And I thank you that the families of this church are giving godly young men and godly young women to this culture. You are raising up young men and women out of this church, Lord, and calling them to your service and calling them, Lord, in positions professionally, Lord, mechanically. You're calling them in positions, Lord, in ministry, and you will send them around the world from this church with the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I pray tonight, as the Word of God says, you will bless our food, you will bless our water, you will protect us from illness, and that we will walk in the divine health and the goodness that God gives to us. For it's in the name of Jesus, I bless your people. Your word shall not return to you void, but it shall go forth, as Isaiah says, to perform what it says. And in the life of every person here, that the word of God goes into effect even now. For it's in your name I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. Let's give him another hand of praise.